Hey, you're listening to Fat and Greasy Citizens, a podcast about Shakespeare. I'm fat. And I'm greasy. Every week we do a deep dive into every act of every Shakespeare play ever written, mostly while drinking. More specifically, I'm Chuck. I'm a former English major and now a digital editor who cares a lot about Shakespeare. And I'm Gabe. Let's do it. Greetings, citizens. It is we, Queen Zabeth I, hollering at you from beyond the grave. Welcome you to Fat and Greasy Citizens. This week, it is Two Gentlemen of Verona, Act 3. The players Chuck and Gabe failed to mention that in the previous act, the character Proteus, who was in love with Julia, is now in love with Sylvia, who his best friend Valentine loves. Will Proteus gladly throw his friends through the dogs for a girl he literally just saw for the first time? <laughs> of course he will. This is all before bros before hoes. Courtly mans before courtesans. It is devoutly to be wished. Enjoy. On the Zoom as well to be okay. Now we're recording in two places. Um, <laughs> that's all right. That's Canon um, Emo Phillips as Lance <laughs> making an end to the canon for the first time. <laughs> Emo Phillips. <laughs> I have to say, like um, this, this definitely felt like this act definitely felt like like the winking to the like this is the plot folks so like here here we go with the big switcheroo here what what i um what i decided i liked about it is like there were points where they were um so <laughs> this whole act is just uh proteus just being which is so he's really the worst and and what so I liked bad. about it is, like, he's worthless to his friend. He's he's conniving to make Sylvia's life horrible. He's uh, he's just manipulating a stupid old man. Um, but in each of those, like, uh, he's so brazen about it, and it's such like a, a heel turn from where he was an act and a half ago that I just I was just like, okay, well, like, it just signaled to me effectively, like, okay, this is bizarre but interesting and i'm fine with it like if if this is where it's going to be where he's going to be a mopey sad sack in act one and now he's just going to be this just doing so much more to his friend than he has to like there's i wrote down the in the in um like four stands in he's like you've won at this point and you keep laying on to your friend and just being like and here's another thing friend oh and here's what else you could do and it's just like you've won he's excommunicated like you're good to go and he just keeps he just keeps being a dick to everyone everywhere. And it just, it made it, it made me feel like, okay, this is just supposed to be fun and stupid. Like it reminds me, um, it reminded me of um, when in Tom and Jerry, Tom and the black cat would fight for a girl cat. <laughs> They're just yes. hitting each other in the head with hammers and stuff. And I'm just like, okay, this is, this is supposed to be absurd. And so I'm fine with it. I don't, I'm not actually offended by what a trash person he is because um it's at the level of, of stupidity where um, I'm not going to bother worrying about the fact that he's trying to get his friend killed because he likes the girl that he likes. Yeah. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm trying, the only thing I would struggle with is how do you make that, as you say, heel turn uh, clear um, in the scope of the character? Because I, I do feel like it's such a, I mean, he clearly, Shakespeare clearly has the scene where Proteus meets Sylvia and, and yes, there's a spark there, but 
how do you as the actor make it clear to the audience that Proteus is capable of that kind of heel turn? Yes, it's a comedy and yes, it's supposed to be absurd, but it still kind of has to make sense. You know, yeah. it's still, you know, you still have to hint at it a little that Proteus is a, is a dick bag, you know? And, and so that's what made me feel like it made me go back to like the first act and be like, okay, if he's going to be such a worthless sad sack in the first act, then you have to ham up that so much that you're just like, you were, you were this stay at home crazy person who was just writing poems that he would never share with a girl. And now you quickly found another girl and you're risking your best friend's life. <laughs> yeah. Or, or, or maybe it's like, because like, if we were to assume that whatever thing everybody else says about Proteus is true, that, you know, he's never seen the world. He's never gone and done anything. You know, this could just be small town boy. This is the bright burn of, uh, of Shakespeare, like small town bo uh, boy. Yeah is all of a sudden exposed to like Sylvia is the first woman he saw off the boat, you know, in a, in a new town. And all of a sudden his hick past is just thrown out the window. Like he, he, he'll, he'll murder anybody to get this woman now, you know, like he, like his, his world was so small and now it's so big, you know, it's, it, um, it, in thinking about like the incredible heel turn that he, that he takes in this, it reminded me of like, if this is about like the pacing you would have in a rock star game where you were like you had a small side mission and they're these two friends and then they start fighting over a girl and one of the one of the friends is just like oh well then i'll set him up for murder and get him kicked out of the town and he can never come back and <laughs> i'll i'll be sure that i'll tell i'll tell the duke that if anyone sees him and he's not out of here by the end of the day he should be shot dead and it's just like <laughs> it's just like so absurd that like that's that's the only comparison i could go to and it's 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 a cliche at this point but it's funny when people are like you know you shouldn't um media is so violent these days you should we should go focus on the tried and true stuff and this is just this is just a uh, a teen sex comedy where instead of like unusual teen sex comedies of the 80s and 90s there's like teens talking about sex there's teens vying for a woman and one of them just tries to get the other one killed and excommunicated yeah. in his life and it's all played for laughs um the, yeah the woman trapped in a tower played for laughs there's this guy being chased out of town played for laughs like it's it's like the only humor that i could compare it to in modern era is like uh, a grand theft auto vignette or a red dead vignette where it's just like well that's that's crazy that that person's gonna murder that person over a girl yeah but well, it's funny because i um you say that and it makes me think that shrew is very similar you know like how do i tame this woman well i'm gonna starve her and completely gaslight her for you know like it's like so extreme I don't know why I did uh, John Lovett's there, but I'm going to starve her and then gaslight her. <laughs> but that would be Gloria fantastic Petruchio casting. <laughs> Acting. <laughs> but that, but he, uh, but it, it's very similar. Like, like I remember um, uh, George Carlin used to say, I, I've seen it. I saw him in the documentary Aristoc Aristocats say it. Aristocrats, I should say. <laughs> not, not the Disney cartoon. Uh, uh, he did it in the aristocrats and he also did it on stage where he said you know the the thing that makes the i'm paraphrasing of course but the, the thing that makes the joke is the exaggeration you know anything can be funny as long as you find what the exaggeration is and 
Um, and Shakespeare does that, like, as you, as you say, the pace in his comedies, at least these first two, are, ins- are insane. Like, that heel turn is, like, whiplash quick, you know, and Shrew was very similar, where the, it's the extremity of where these characters go, you know, they go from zero to 60 in a matter of a page or two, you know. No, the, the heel turn here is like uh, Nicolas Cage, John Travolta face-off level. <laughs> you can literally just <laughs> switch bodies. Like Took it's... his face off. Yeah. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> it, but it, it's, it's so like, and it's funny, like you, you see the little, the little exaggerations more and more the more you read the play. Like, um, for instance, in Act 3, Scene 1, um, Thurio's exit is the quickest I've ever seen in a Shakespeare play. Oh God! Because I... at, the, at the beginning of the scene, it says Duke Thurio and Proteus <laughs> enter, and in one line, Thur- Thurio is asked to leave. It is like like they just came in. <laughs> like is, I think that's the, the quickest I've ever seen that happen. No, it is my favorite thing so far as far as like signaling someone with an exit. Just like walk on and be like. Thurio, I'm talking to a smart person. Fuck off. <laughs> yeah, and like, then he leaves. Like, it's, it's, like, it's beautiful. It just perfectly conveys like this is this is this is not one of the three male characters. This is the two gentlemen of Verona, not the three. Just, yeah. <laughs> Beat it, clown. I, I got to talk to this guy. But it, it reminded me of the of the cop uh, scene in um, in Shrew, where it's like somebody got a policeman. We're all a policeman. Yeah. <laughs> like it, it's it's like even. Yeah. Like that kind of abrupt uh, character entrance and exit, uh, like he, Shakespeare got it. It's funny. Like it's funny today. Well, it's and it's interesting in that, like, I don't know if it's just the, I feel like I have no idea how acts were divided in Elizabethan theater. Um, as a modern playgoer, I have, I only like step back and say like, oh, I consider this the quote third act or something. But like in the two plays we've done so far, it seems like you could almost, produce the different acts differently because there's such a crazy turn to them and this one i feel like this one is just tex avery right out of the gate because when you said like thurio is already adult he's listed in the in the uh the playbook that you get as thurio comma adult um but he walks (laughs) three people walk on screen one gets dismissed um and then right away like for like the one of like 10 times in this act alone and one of like uh, 20 times in the play so far, um, Proteus just launches off into like, listen, I, I would never want to betray my friend, but it's only <laughs> because I respect you so much that I'd listen and I would never betray my friend. But, and so I just want, again, I would never betray my friend, but he's, he's, he's going after your daughter he wants her. He's doing it behind your back. He's got a rope. He's got a ladder. He's going to do it tonight. But, but to be clear, I would never be. <laughs> and it's just like, it's so much extra sleazier. Yeah. Uh, if he, if he didn't go through the, just like constant patting himself on the back and like, I'm a man of honor. I would never do this. It's just, and his entire argument is I would never screw over my friend. Um, but you're the Duke. So I will. And it's also a little hazy. Oh, the ghost. <laughs> um, it's also a little 
uh, hazy whether or not Valentine was actually serious about that because it did come off like he's making it up as he went along because... Oh, yeah. No, you know what I mean? We we both read the same way as, like, um, he got... He was bullshitting his way through it, and then he ends up, like, he's carrying it on him. That's the other thing that's crazy about this. He's like, I'm going to get a ladder and go up tonight, and he's carrying the ladder around the whole time. (laughs) It's just like, what... You, you got you got 10 hours man you don't you know you and it's funny, rope on you all day as soon as proteus uh lays out valentine's plan to the duke what, what i think is fascinating is the duke says something to the effect of uh yeah you know uh every time they thought i was sleeping you know i would go and i, I would look i'd watch him and i almost uh, kicked him out of court and i, I thought to myself hold up this old man, this old man, rather than like storming and say, "Hey, get beat it," this is my house. He's just he's watching his like, daughter. <laughs> like he's a perv. Acting like he's no, he's he's. They're both so terrible because he's just like, yeah, I would. First of all, he's like, I wasn't sure, so I kept acting like I was sleeping, and it was just yeah. like maybe just like show that you're awake. Say, guys, what's going on? Yeah, <laughs> say, it's let it's, me it's like myself. I'm her her dad. Yeah. Who are you? But it's like, I was, like, I was yeah, gonna so say I, something. He's like, I was I gonna say something, sure. but I was rock hard, man. I couldn't, <laughs> couldn't be sure. So I just sat there and watched them, and and then I decided I don't like this guy. Like, I'm glad you said something because now you know, <laughs> like, like it just seemed like like the Duke is um, a little bit of uh, he's a, he's a crazy um, he's a crazy uh, what's the word where um, you constantly think paranoid. He's a crazy paranoid old man with money. Like that's that's what becomes. Yeah. I think I, I read this twice. The first time I read it, it's just like, oh, he's the Duke. The Duke is always a respected character. And the second reading, I was like, oh no, this he's crazy paranoid guy, um, because like everything, everything that he says is crazy, and everything that Proteus says to like bump him up like shouldn't be, shouldn't work for him at all. Um, like I, I also find it nice that Proteus allegedly loves Sylvia, who he's talked to all like five sentences. And the way he explains um, his position to the Duke is just like, well, um, first of all, I know you've determined to give her to Thurio, who she hates, <laughs> and right. and like and rends her garments when she talks about him, and and he's just like, yeah, no, that's what I decided to do. Like, and they're both on the same page of just like, I'm gonna help you match her up with this person that she hates and makes her miserable. And the Duke is just like, yeah, no, she she hates him. Uh, he's awful. Um, yes, you got it right. So, what else can you do for me? Like, there's no, at no point does the Duke say that. Oh, but here's Thurio's uh, redeeming quality. It's, and and at no point does, uh, or to be fair, no one points out. The only person that says Thurio has redeeming qualities is Valentine later when he just lies to his face and like, oh, he's great, he's grand. But just yeah. just the fact that like Proteus, um, Sylvia is not in this act at all. But Proteus both says that she's she's. Proteus tells everyone that she's made miserable by what's happening mm. throughout this. Um, but at no point does, um, does the Duke care about that, nor does uh, Proteus show that he cares at all that he's making her miserable by doing this. No. Um, and I, I like that the, the, the Duke, when um, after Proteus does his first stanza about just like, I would never betray my friend, but the first thing the Duke says is, well, thank you for your honest care. And that's when you know that he's just like a, he's gone as an old man. He's a bag of money with nothing but paranoia and um, jealousy in his heart. 
Um, but just like, thank you for your honest care was like a great, like, okay, so Proteus is like our Iago character, at least for this act. Like he is, he is the scumbag pushing the, the moneyed old man around. Um, it's just like the bachelorette when, when the bachelor, <laughs> when the other bachelors like go to the bachelorette and they're like, look, I got to tell you about Dave. Dave, uh, I don't think he's here for the right reasons. And the, the bachelorette uh, eats it up. That's, that's what it is. Like Proteus knows how, knows the game. Like if you get, yeah. if you get the conspiracy theory in there first, then the rich old man is definitely going to, is going to, whatever you say, you know? And it's just great that like the, um, I just Proteus never blinks. Cause the dad's like, yeah, well, thank you. You get me. Cause I thought, cause well, yeah, that says what, so I was laying there rock hard. Um, and so <laughs> I got worried. So, you know what I did? Naturally, uh, I locked her in a fucking tower she can't get out of. And Proteus is like, yeah, of course you would. That's what you would do. That's what <laughs> you do. When, when you suspect someone's talking to your daughter, you, 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 you hire some masons, you build a sturdy tower, <laughs> and you lock her in there until she falls in love with a man who's listed as adult on the, yeah. uh, on the playwright. But, you know, like, as much as Proteus is a dick in here, like, Valentine's advice to the duke like obviously the duke is trying to play him by like hey if you were uh to woo a woman what would how would you do it in order to capture him yeah um but valentine valentine's advice is awful <laughs> it, it's like it's like no means no valentine both, like both it, like he keeps it's just the, the, the that's and the, again that feels like a Tex Avery cartoon or a Tom and Jerry cartoon because it's just so awful throughout. Just like, well, let me tell you what women want. And I can't remember what, what are, what's Valentine's first ones because I can't remember it. I can only remember. Um, it's basically, Proteus's well, if she scorns you, it just oh, yeah. means that she loves you. You know, it's like, it's like if she hates the thing that you gave her, get her another one. Like, like it's, it's like such a, like it's, it really is like a cliched, you know, ah, oh, women are just trying to be coy. They're just—they're uh, all teases. Whatever they say, do the opposite. That's and what they want. You know who's the only person who doesn't say that in this whole act is Thurio. Every yeah. the other three guys are all just like, "It oh, does she say? Does she say go away? That means don't go away. That means oh, don't go away. Is she angry? <laughs> oh, anger, that anger. That's just like uh, it's just like an ice cube in front of a hearth. That'll that'll melt in an hour. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And Thurio's just it, like it, it's. Okay, guys. I, I listen. I don't know anything. I am listed as a dullard on the front of the pamphlet. So if you guys say so, but the three of them who are allegedly looking after Sylvia's best interests are just like, ah, that's a good sign. That's when she slaps you. That's a good sign. <laughs> You're on the right track. That's, that's like, fire, like, baby. But like that advice is terrible, and his his plan for the uh, running away with her is also terrible, in that. For some reason, he's carrying a note explaining his plan that presumably he's going to give to the woman that he's about to elope with. Like, it makes no sense. Like, after, why would you write after a note? The, grappling, the grappling hook hits her window. Yeah. Just <laughs> climbing up. He's like, ah. But as he's scrambling through the window, he hands her, he's like, this will explain everything. <laughs> as he's like hanging whole, a ladder out of the. It's, I love the bizarreness of this because there's no way of knowing if any of them believe this bullshit about the power of poetry. Like throughout this, they're all like, right. oh man, you get the words right and everything's yours. And so like, so Valentine's plan is to grappling hook up there, <laughs> give her a note <laughs> and boom, he's set. Yeah. Um, that's what they, that's what he says to do to the Duke. Um, that's what, 
Proteus advises uh, Thurio to do. do. Yep. And they're all just like, like he at, at the end he's telling Thurio, he's just like, oh yeah, man, you get you get the words right, man. You'll get you'll get a kraken to come up out of the water and dance on the beach, man. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you say it right, it'll be fantastic. And it's just, um, I, I I think you have to read it all as bullshit. I don't know, but I it, I just enjoyed that it. It well, it has to be right. of, of absurdity throughout the whole thing. Like it has to be because all of the words in this place so far, all of the words that have been written in order to woo somebody have not been delivered to the recipient. No, no, the person. It's never nobody's nobody's that. read a word of it yet. <laughs> you know, like all these sweet it's words. Have... Schmucks trying to write things and then somehow getting waylaid before they actually get to the woman. Yeah. That trying to make it do, and when they do, sometimes get to the woman. Um, they try and describe the letter to the woman and the woman gets angry at them and tears yeah. it up and then goes off on their own idiotic way. Like None of this prosy has been examined at all. <laughs> like, they, no, they, nobody, it's all in vain. They, they talk about <laughs> they talk about poetry the way like 16 and 17 year olds talk about getting their hands on alcohol for a party. It's just like if right. it's what's going to happen. <laughs> Susie's going to come to the party and if you get if you get the limoncello She's gonna fall in She's gonna fall in love with me. Okay, I nothing says like, romance like a long, slender bottle. It's, it's gonna be perfect. I know she likes this stuff. It'll it'll work. I'll climb into her window with a big <laughs> bottle of lemon liqueur. Uh, it's 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 illuminating that like the I'm constantly reminded of just like my own idiocy as a teen and of teen comedies and watching this and that just like um, these, this is just about idiots. And it's, it's um, whereas like the, the talking poorly about old people in shrew just felt like ageism here. It's just like, Oh great. It's just a stupid old man and two teenagers. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, um, I'm just happy that they're all idiots um, and I don't care what happens to any of them. So it's fine. <laughs> They are all idiots, but I, I have to admit to um, when Valentine is finally shut down by dad, um, I do like his speech. As corny as it is at times, I do like, um, I, I actually uh, highlighted a few lines here. Uh, Except I be by Sylvia in the night, there is no music in the nightingale. Unless I look on Sylvia in the day, there is no day for me to look upon. I, that's sweet. I mean, it, it, yes, it's extreme and, you know, uh, hokey as shit but I, I do like the way it's written and you know I, what I like about it is that there's like this little this little uh, blip of beauty that immediately goes into like some of the most melodramatic shit ever like right after that when Proteus comes back into the scene like uh, Valentine is pretending like he doesn't exist anymore <laughs> or like he's not well, it's, you know it's, it's like Valentine no <laughs> you know, it's like alright <laughs> like it's it's just great that like that's happening and just like uh Proteus is just like Yeah, sucks, man. Uh so, <laughs> like Hey, you look down. I've got some worse news. I better I, I better keep it quiet because my news so, is terrible. <laughs> um th th there's a trend line that I want to keep track of. Um speaking of these sexist trash characters, I feel like women are the only ones that um get described with like six bad adjectives in a row um in line 68 mm. in the scene um she's like oh yeah she's described as proud disobedient stubborn lacking duty uh, i guess that was only four but like i feel like whenever someone's described as like shitty smelly stinky 
ugly. Like it's it's always a woman. <laughs> like <laughs> men can get cut down first, but like it's um whenever it's a woman off screen who is froward, which is my favorite term, is the worst thing in, in Shakespeare world is for women to be froward. Then they're just they mm. just like list off four adjectives and I'm gonna wait to see if that ever happens to a man. I'm guessing it doesn't. It's just it's just always bros talking about a woman who's off screen. Oh, and uh, and just like Shrew, proud and disobedient. Those are, I mean, th- that could have come right out of Shrew. Those, yeah. those same two words, you know, like uh, that's like a, the woman, a woman's greatest sin. And in fact, I think that that, ho- that whole idea is kind of lampooned in the very next scene between Lance and Speed, you know, where it's like um, they're talking about her virtues and stuff like that. And so- the... Oh, go ahead. But before we go get there, I'm just curious, like, so how stupid is Valentine to be like, the Duke is like, I want some advice. Uh, I'm trying to get a lady. And he's like, well, have you thought about using a grappling hook? <laughs> yeah. a when he's got a grappling hook on him. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I, it, it makes me, it was one of the signals to me that, that like, because um, his his soliloquy about the Nightingale didn't hit me as hard because it came after this. And I was just like, oh, you must, you're a special moron. He, he, <laughs> he, is, like talking, he is an idiot. You're talking to her psycho dad who runs the town. You're just like, well, you know what dames love? Grappling hooks and notes. <laughs> oh, who could foresee? A note that fully describes what I'm about to do. <laughs> In my pocket. It's like, uh, well, you, you need a cloak. You know, the only thing I have uh, disguising all of this evidence on me. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you about the evidence. I've got it on my body, and then I'm gonna describe the only thing that shows that I don't have a grappling hook on me. Oh no, you want? Oh nuts! Oh, (laughs) Oh, Valentine, you schmuck! I don't know. It just. um, I mean, to be to be fair, like the Duke definitely sniffs out his moronic behavior like just like the idea of like oh what kind of uh how, how big of a cloak how long of a cloak like know, the one you're wearing going. right here <laughs> like, no, it's just great it's just like have you ever his his way of wooing sylvia is so stupid and random that just the fact that he's gonna be like oh yeah i got it. i got it. it works every time you just break into a room and shove a note in her face and it's yours um though like like proteus's report uh, and definitely suggest i mean it suggests that they did have a thing but like as that whole side of it is very whether or not valentine and sylvia actually have a relationship at this point is very fuzzy and you know i blame i blame shakespeare i don't because it really isn't clear i i'm enjoying the fact that like she said one flirty thing to him and he's just like um it's like it's like wwe heel turn where it's just like oh lady elizabeth he hit him with a chair mean man with the chair like <laughs> oh my god <laughs> oh lady elizabeth oh she should she should she shouldn't have been talking to him man you know what happens <laughs> you know the george the animal steel he can't control himself Oh, he's eating the turnbuckle. Stop the damn match. <laughs> he's got to get out of town. The Duke's going to find him. Oh, no, it's the Duke. Oh, <laughs> The Duke from backstage. He can't take it anymore. There it is, the Duke stunner. Oh, 
but yeah, like it, it, it totally, like now, now that Valentine's out of the way, like that wasn't bad enough. So like scene two definitely is Proteus just double downing, like just doubling down on just the, for no fucking like, reason. Like, he's, yeah, he's just won like after act one, um, he's completely won. Like he's getting, his friend is getting kicked out of town. He's, he's in complete control and he's like, so why don't you uh, send your love notes to her to me? <laughs> Like, yeah scumbag. you absolute and, scumbag and you know it's funny because i feel like this comes up in shakespeare a lot like it, it it begins with the duke echoing the same thing uh that proteus said in the last scene about time healing things and then proteus says it again in this scene and proteus is in this uh is in this um predicament where he has to woo somebody who is fundamentally upset and and probably hates him. And it actually reminds me a lot of Richard III. When we get there, there's a scene where Richard has to uh, woo. Oh, shit. I want to say Catherine. It's like Catherine. I don't know. I think it's, I think it's Catherine. But, but anyway, it's like uh, he has to woo this woman at, at the funeral of her husband, um, like, on, like on the coffin. And it's like masterfully done you know it's really masterfully done but it this this reminds me like there's a lot of that in shakespeare of like wooing a woman against her better judgment you know like getting a woman to fall in love with you despite overwhelming obstacles again like no means no like like don't ever take a woman's optical responses optical as being no yeah, like like it, like there's there's this, there's this like um, running theme through a lot of the Shakespeare plays where it's like, well, she might say no. Well, <laughs> but I, I think that's part of the reason that this act worked for me is that um, we never have to see Sylvia going through this stuff, and so there's times when I was wondering like. Um, Proteus is playing it up and saying like, oh God, she was rending her garments. She was like crying at the Duke's feet. And I'm like, well, I don't know if that happened. And then it, it, it seems like it did happen. So I was like, all right, I can't laugh at this. But, but none of it, like, it just, because it just seemed like three over-testosteroned morons just like slapping each other around, that like mm -hmm. it didn't seem nearly as sexist and bad. It just seemed like, oh, you're idiots. And if you guys want to you guys want to compete in stupid ways and you want to betray your best friend and have the cops out to kill him, then if you want to do that all before you talk to Sylvia, then that's a lesser sin than like doing it with her on stage or involving her in it. Like if you guys want to fight over her and she doesn't know, then like, okay, like slap each other all you want. And if you want to condemn him to die, um, that's, that's better than like tearing him from, her um from her grasp or something but i think i don't think we know what she what she wants because she was flirting with proteus and it seems like a couple different people say that she's just like start raving mad once once uh valentine is condemned to leave um are they in milan i think um so w whatever he's condemned to leave the uh the city so right uh, but but it just feels like three idiots slapping it around, slapping not slapping it around. <laughs> three idiots slapping each other, crossing around. the streams. <laughs> yeah, it it is. Yeah, it is. But I I feel like the advice. I think the advice is it, it kind of echoes what Valentine says, where it's just like just wait, just wait, 
you know, all, they all come around eventually, you know. So, but it like it spins into this um, like speaking of bad advice, like it then becomes uh, like the 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 logic in the in this scene te- it gets a little weird for me because then the Duke says something to the when when Proteus is like, well, I can't say anything bad about Valentine. He's my very good friend, and the Duke says, um, spitting hot fire as he as he. <laughs> as he does he's like where your good word where your good word cannot advantage him your slander never can damage him and that to me doesn't make a lot of sense it's like well you can't say anything good about him so what's the what's the hurt of saying something that's going to damage him like it, yeah, it doesn't so, so that didn't you know? make much sense to me but i really like the next part because um what Proteus says is it's an ill office for a gentleman to screw over your friend and the duke's like listen uh the thing you just said Therefore, the office is indifferent being intruded to it by your friend. And I feel like what he's saying is like, oh, you're saying it's a bad, it's a bad office for someone to do this. And he's like, I'm the fucking Duke. I'm your friend. <laughs> so I'm the office. So don't worry, man. Like, um, you don't, you, you're doing this for the Duke. So shut up. Um, like, I'm, I'm a paranoid old man, but I still understand power. And like, you don't need to worry about your gentlemanly good name. You're doing what I tell you to do. And so... And so it just seems like a nice, evil little, like, um, an evil little thing where it's just like, there, there's a possibility, Valentine's already the, the worst schmuck on the planet, but there's, or excuse me, Partius says, but there's a possibility that when, when Partius says this stuff, he's like, not wanting to take every step. And Partius is always just like, no, nah, no, it's fine, man, screw over your friend. Just come on, I'll pay you, I'll take care of you, I'll be in your debt, just tell me what you got here. Um, yeah, because the end end goal is to get Sylvia out of here. That's kind of, kind of what Shrew was like too. You know, yeah. we, like the end goal is like let's get somebody's got to get married. Um, it it does remind me of like we've got we're two plays in and that just like this is just feels like like I wonder if I wonder if like if the majority of Shakespeare plays now I'm just thinking about this for the first time are just like going to have just terrible dads like i feel like most shakespeare plays i can think of have a terrible dad in it um but and it's not this and both in their characterization but also like (laughs) this this would remind me of of shrew in that like he's trying to say how frustrated he is with um with sylvia for not responding to thurio and he just starts describing her as like a sandbag (laughs) He, get, mm-hmm. he again does a series of adjectives. He says she's lumpish, heavy, melancholy. Yeah. And it's like, none of those are, are about being unresponsive to a man, but he's just describing her like she's grimace <laughs> because she's, it's just like, oh man, she's, she's, she's just a bag of trash. She's just, um, she's a deflated uh, water balloon. She's just <laughs> like, why lumpy? <laughs> like, <laughs> she's in a bad mood. She's really lumpy. Um, and so like I, I feel like um, I think one thing that I'll, I'll never be able to paper over is that for women so far there's the highest compliment that you can give to a woman's beauty is white <laughs> it's always mm-hmm. just like when he's describing um, how when he's trying to drive Valentine crazy he was like oh she was crying and it was just pearls coming out of her eyes and um, when they're talking about her beauty, they describe her as white. And I just, un- I, I underlined every time they described her beauty just by describing her as white. And it's like, 
again and again and again. And at the opera, mm. opposite end of the spectrum, as we discussed, like the, the best thing you can be is white and the worst thing you can be is froward. And just like, and those are the, the worst and the best women. And it's, it's just kind of, it's funny because neither of them actually like have any value, but it's just like you're in crazy town. We're just like, <laughs> just like, even this player, just like, oh man, she's so white. Uh, <laughs> and she cries, it's like pearls. It's just like, mm, gosh, she's so white. She's just so white. It's just, um, it, it makes me wonder how, how far back that, um, that that stereotype goes or, or maybe it's a trope is the word i'm looking for i i don't know if it was um i feel like fifth grade social studies is trying to tell me that cowboys like, you know uh, like white hats uh, versus black hats uh, well i thought it was that like rich people got to stay out of the sun like had <laughs> probably had something more than a roof but basically had a roof all the time and so the ladies would be really white or something, but I don't know. But I like, heard every time that I too. see it, it's becoming such a cliche that it's just like, ah, you're so good with words, man. Can't you come up with something else that conveys pretty other than just like, oh man, she's yeah. Crazy. I heard that too. That um, that if being being rich, if you were white, it implied that you had enough money not to work outside, basically. Yeah. And if you had any color in you, it meant that you had to toil for something and that was then you were low rent. It was only like when going to tropical islands became popular that being tan was and synonymous so with wealth. It's, it's such like a sad vision of romantic love to be like the worst thing you can do is, is have a will of your own. That same thing. And the best <laughs> thing you can do is just be um, a potato that grows inside. Like those, right. That's, right. that's the spectrum of romantic love. <laughs> well speaking of romantic love um the uh proteus's uh tips to thurio include um he says something like uh, like go to her bedchamber and sing a sad song but rather than say sing a sad song uh with, with a with a band he says go to her go to her uh, go to her room and sing a sad song with a band and he says something effective to their instruments tune a deploring dump <laughs> and i know he's saying sing a sad song but that's but an awesome line is, just like, <laughs> it's just like, i want a deploring dump just like <laughs> uh, yeah i couldn't i couldn't even imagine what it sounds like and that's one of the things which is so much better to describe it and then it's just like and because he says, he says just sing her deploring dump and then oh the silence after it will be so sweet <laughs> <laughs> it's the worst advice ever. Just like, you I feel like sad songs have to be called that from now on. I, I think Tom Waits should have an album called Deploring, ah, deploring Dump. There's <laughs> another Deploring Dump, as the bar would call it. <laughs> yeah, the, the yeah, advice yeah, is terrible. You, you come in after she doesn't want to see you, you get a band to play the worst music ever. And then she'll be like, thank God it's over. And so that obviously <laughs> she'll love you. It's just and I was like, "Yeah, brilliant." <laughs> How do you do it? Yeah, and that's the that's the great cap on the scene. Is Thurio is like, "All right, now we're talking." I've got a sonnet that I wrote. Like, like he says to me, "Like I have a sonnet prepared. Let's do it. I, I've got it." It's great. He's like, "I know a guy who can play the lute. I got a sonnet prepared." <laughs> um, I happen to play part time in a band, <laughs> so this is perfect. 
Yeah, it really is. Right like, before that, when he, when he started to tell, her, tell him to get poems, <laughs> the Duke chimes in. He's just like, oh, yeah, poems do it for him. Yeah, yeah. that's a good one. Poems, poems. It's, that's going to close the deal. <laughs> it's just like she was on her knees, like begging you to not banish her boyfriend. And you're just like, ah, give her a poem. It's going to, I have no idea what accent I'm doing, but, but it's just, it's delightfully. And then, then there's the line that I was talking about where he, Proteus is just like, yeah, man, you get the right poem that like uh, the Leviathan will come out of the water and dance on the sand. People go nuts. It's, it's just like, uh, all you need to survive anywhere in the world or just to have nature at your demand is a good poem. And it's just, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's just delightfully stupid. Um, As we've seen so far, because everything in this play is a direct result of the power of the word. <laughs> um, and so I, I haven't read the fourth act yet, but I just got like the first scene, speaking of like, just like, hit and go from the start the next scene starts with just like two outlaws talking to each other as they're about to mug um valentine <laughs> so it's just perfect that they're like having this incompetent thing to just like drive sylvia insane and try and win her love with terrible music and just like he's about to be attacked the, his uh valentine's about to be attacked by banditos wherever he is it's just like <laughs> i don't know i'm i'm happy with the level of stupidity going on in here right don't now. go on the king's road valentine now played by rick moranis as he as he gets jumped this play will end with suddenly seymour yeah man letters and letters and poetry man that's uh that's all you need um that's what they like it's what they crave there was um just a we uh we skipped over as i'm sure every production does but we skipped over um lance's god-awful puns or whatever he was doing with speed um, you know what I love about that is that Speed is also fed up with Lance. Yeah, like, he, he's, he like the first, he, the first thing he says, like Speed's re- uh, response is, "Your old voice still." Yeah, kind of like, like yeah, oh, you're still the, doing the like, same bits, huh? This, this, this is the thing where you don't understand how words work. Okay, cool. It's great. <laughs> yeah. It really is. Like he's like, oh god, okay. It's and like, I love like, how that. Oh, she sews. It's his to say just so. It's like, yeah, it's. <laughs> we did this already and no one laughed the first time that said this um if you did it if you did it with the emo phillips doing throughout i really like lance's thing at the end where he's just like oh he's or i'll just do the emo phillips voice like oh he's going to be late and to help his boss and he'll be hung <laughs> he deserves that for trying to read my note and it's just it's so delightfully insane where it's just like he tried to read my note i hope he gets hung and i don't know just like lance gets the better of it because if he doesn't get to his boss in time then they'll both be hung or something it's just uh, it it like rendered not awful the entire awful 10 stanzas before it where at times um, the sexism is so dense, I can't even understand what's going on. Like, they're, they'll compare a woman to, like, a pincushion or something, and you're just like, I don't, I know you're trying to be awful. I just, I don't know what it is, what stereotype it is you're leaning on. Oh, yeah. And much like when Lance, like, Lance trying to be sexist is like Lance trying to be anti-Semitic. It's just like, what are you, listen, I get it, you're, you're a terrible person, but I'm not getting these references at all. So just trust me, I'm offended can we move on <laughs> and just like oh, it's, 
there was like that whole bit with the loose women uh it was like well she can't be loose in the tongue because you just said that she she had a slow uh, tongue and then you can't about she could be loose in another way well, there's nothing i can do about that but um boom you know and you're like and, oh my god shut this fucker up there's another point where <laughs> he makes a joke about like um there's something about how she can scour the pots and that's slang for just beating the other living hell out of him and he's like see so that won't come up when i have to beat the hell out of her because as you know we beat women <laughs> we beat <laughs> it's just like the fuck are you there's, there's no way you've ever touched a woman lance i've made this list and you're making me read the list because for some reason you challenge whether or not i could read what the why <laughs> do, I have, to take, uh, yeah. do I have to take you out for a drink again what do i have to do to get out of this scene. Why is this scene here? I hate you so much. I hope that I run you through in Act 5. because I, I think every scene with him so far has ended in, what the fuck? Like, because I, I think, I think, I think Speed, like, when it's finally like, oh, you have to meet your master because, you know, the, you know, at the front gates, like, why didn't you say that at the beginning? Like, he's like infuriating. <laughs> like, he's like, what the, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> never know what the fuck is wrong with him. <laughs> he's just gonna spend his days like he's he's ta talking to his shoes, um, getting in fights with his dog, um, just making a list to himself about whether or not um, <laughs> the woman that he's in love with like actually has good properties or not, and uh, trying to get people hung. Um, and challenging anyone who walks by about whether or not they can read. Like, um, like I don't think Lance knows he's an asshole. Like, no, <laughs> I think I don't think I don't think he'll ever know how to be anti-Semitic. I don't think he'll ever know how to be sexist. Um, he's just a a perfect moron. Um, so I don't know. I have, I have nothing to add to your emo Phillips uh, casting because that's unless there's some twenty-first <laughs> century equivalent of emo phillips because you have to be that grating <laughs> well, and awful to be fair uh, emo phillips did uh does look like he could be you know a yokel sitting on a fence on, a, on the english countryside well he always like, wore those overalls or was that just an uhf but like i think he did but he all he always had that kind of like that uh like like giant prince charming haircut kind of thing you know yeah, like the uh, prince valiant yeah yeah prince valiant right that, that's the one i'm thinking of and he's perfect now he looks like he he came, he stepped out of an elizabethan wormhole the 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 way that they talk about sylvia and this and that's just like oh man she's she's so white um not in the um not in the horribly racist way but in the just like utterly arbitrary ways in which like sometimes she's a lump and sometimes she's like the most beautiful thing you've ever seen right um it it also reminded me of like teen comedies where you will um or not even yeah i guess they're probably romantic teen movies where you if you have to cast two women they're usually like two beautiful 20-somethings being cast as 16 year olds but one has to be cast as like the romantic lead and one is not. And so like people will just like signal to each other like, oh, she's the most popular girl in school. And she's just like uh, in, in Teen Wolf, it's Boof, but it's just like the girl on the side or it's, um, um, you know, like 
the the female equivalent of Ducky in in um pretty in pink but like right the the just sheer arbitrariness of like teenage boys trying to figure out like what's what's attractive or what isn't like um i was just struck by the degree to which like it just reminds me of like they they're just making this up as they go along it doesn't make any sense that like one of these women would be more attractive than the other or that sylvia's actual physical shape would change if as she's um you know described to be froward or sassy or anything else um I don't know, I like I was I was thinking about like how often that happens in uh in teen comedies and whatnot and like so many teen comedies are actually like half assed um rewritings of like Shakespeare or Elizabethan novels or old English novels like Clueless is is a rewrite um she's all that is a rewrite we were talking last time about how like taming the shrew got made into um 10 things i hate about you and like right. I, I i don't know there's there's something i'm trying to get to where there's just like just like fundamentally baked into these stupid teen stories is just teen boys trying to understand reality and they just decide um as a as a toxic unit that like oh there's this there's this one desirable woman and we're going to define her as such. And there's this other one that we don't see in a sexual way. And it's just, it's just weird to me to, or it's fascinating to me to see that like that can exist in like the, the highest form of culture and like the, the lowest form of culture imaginable, which is the, the teen comedy. But like, yeah. and it really is like, as you, like, I think that's fascinating because if that exists, that existed in Shakespeare's time, this idea of, especially from the perspective of young men and how they process life and romance and love. Right. And my, like that, that's such a, especially like, you know, my formative years in the, you know, watching movies in the eighties. Yeah. Every movie was that from the perspective of that character. And then you think <laughs> as, as an older gentleman now, I think who gives a shit? I would no. never ask a teenage boy his opinion on anything. Like sure. they have nothing to say. They have no like like their their processing of the world is superficial at best. And I know I know that the, a lot of the comedy stems from that. Like their inability to like their coming of age sexually, where the you know you know sex and romance seems to be the kind of the same thing. And then they learn the true meaning of love or whatever, you know, and yeah, th like that's the story. But that story is told so often that I wonder, like, don't we have anybody else who can chime in on this? Like, like, like you know, it's, it's amazing something like Pretty in Pink was made where it's from the girl's perspective. And it's right. actually a lot more interesting. It was like refreshing for the time, you know, like I, I don't, you know, like I, I, I just find it fascinating that that kind of cliche goes back so far, you know, like, like Shakespeare did it too, you know? Well, it's, it's such a, it's such a stupid oversimplification to be like, it's such a stupid oversimplification to say that like, said there could be a person like Proteus who is madly in love with a woman and then just sees the girl that his friend is after and it's just like well i will i've forgotten this woman that i spent months just running sonnets for and i will <laughs> consign my my bro my best friend to death 
and but that's a microcosm of the teenage boy brain which says we all know who the hottest girl in school is right and she's and she's also the most popular girl in school like we all agree that it's a pyramid and there's we all agree that there's one person at the top and then we can we can disagree about two and three but like we all agree that it's a pyramid um and there's there's just clearly something universal about the stupid developing male mind where if you want to you can you can allow any audience to like zoom back into that mind and and Mm -hmm. it's obviously clarifying from a storytelling point of view like how do we how do we make this person interesting okay well we'll just say the same way that like you don't you don't in an action movie you don't say like well we got to get the sixth best hacker you got to get the best hacker and you got to get him out of jail you don't (laughs) right right schwarzenegger isn't like one of the 10 most dangerous people on the planet he's the he's the best killer or whatever else like that's what you always have to do but it's just um it's just interesting to constantly be talking about um love and at least so far in the comedies it's just like the stupidest version of love um and and true just a complete inversion of the idea of love but like and maybe that's um maybe that's like for a comedy the only way that you can really talk about love is just like use dumb words to be like oh yeah that that's we all agree these are the two most if there's two guys then there'll be the two most beautiful women possible and that the way they see reality is the way that we have to um understand reality but like i don't know like just it's it's fascinating to me to see that like there's an up culture and a down culture version of both of them because it's um it's not really worthwhile and it'll be interesting to see like if um if after doing this in the comedies like if 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 the view of romantic love ever matures at all or in the comedies it just has to be oh i walked into a room i fell in love with her um we uh some violence came out of that (laughs) and then we decided to get married and we were happily ever after yeah yeah like that's that's the path always just like saw her loved her violence um but it worked out in the end um and like that's that's the that's the calculus for like the dumbest hollywood movie you can come up with but like i don't know it just it's it's helpful i can enjoy these more when i realize just how dumb it is um it's actually the it feels like the opposite thesis from uh we just watched uh, Palm Str- Palm Springs last night. Oh yeah, that's great. It it seems to be like you know that lo- love is not a love is not a result of some kind of violent beginning, but it is something that matures out of almost the monotony of you know like the j- just the the being together, like the 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 fully understanding of the other person. Well, and it'll be you interesting know. to see, like, if Shakespeare can ever, like, do something like Palm Springs does, where the second half of the of the um, of the couple like transcends the other. Like, he he's just like, oh, I, we can never get out of this, so I'm just going to like, I'm just going to go through it day in day out and have a couple small adventures. Um, and like, she is the one that finds a way out, and she's the one that transcends both, like his his view of love is pretty small and she wants something more than that she wants something more out of her life so she transcends the whole thing but like i 
it'll be interesting to see if like his imagination can like get that far or if it would always be the, st the story of just the heroic guy just like figuring out how to solve the problem because I don't know I'm not sure if it can like um, that I, I love the way that movie is set up and just like she like takes over all the action in the the third act essentially um, and I don't I can't do you feel like does he take any actions like does no does in fact anything no, in fact, he's he's the major obstacle in the third act because she she wants to break the loop. She's actually spent most of her time learning quantum physics to to break the the loop, and he wants to stay. He wants to remain in that moment, you know. And I, you know, the the greater theme then becomes like love is not something that can be static like that. That can be, it has to evolve and it has to mature in order for it to exist. And it, it's actually very beautiful. He does, he is the problem. He's the obstacle in that. You know, she's the one who solves it. And she's ultimately the one who gives permission for it to, for him to come back into her life. So like in that respect, it, it, it does turn a lot of those things on, on its head. You know, he does not figure shit out. You know, there was in fact, he's past, he's past it. He's, he's over find like discovery he's over um you know trying to improve his situation you know yeah which i think um i think in a way like you can give him credit for coming to peace with himself there's interesting there was a line he had in it which really stuck with me where it's like um i, I won't get it right but it, the, the sum of it was like the violence that you undertake will have an effect on you and it did happen to them it's just the day reset um, and I thought it was like, I thought it was so telling. I thought it was, it was great to show that he had some wisdom. It was great to show that like he, if JK Simmons is a murdering madman, then like he completely wrecked JK Simmons. Um, and that like part of his mission has to be to like get JK Simmons into a non-psycho place. Um, but for whatever reason stuck in my head, I was like, oh, well then when she drives into the, um, when she drives into the semi, like, well that sucks for the semi driver so even if the semi driver doesn't die like he just pancaked two people and like yeah um i don't know that like that's the part that might that might drive you insane in a time loop it's just like oh yeah but in a way that actually happened like i decided i needed to go grand theft auto on this place just to like break the monotony and but then feel like oh but that um since i remember that i think those people will never remember the emotions that they had but like that actually happened um, and so I like the fact that like he's he's gotten to a place of acceptance and like I won't do Grand Theft Auto things anymore because I'm just um, I I think in a certain way these things do happen and so I felt like his his end of the road was just acceptance but her end of the road was actually getting out but she, but to the earlier earlier point like she's the only one who can move the story forward I think he, again, the word he uses is home, like I don't know if Shakespeare can ever do that with a woman character which is hopefully a stupid thing to say out loud and i'll be proved wrong in future episodes the character of i want to say it's rosalind is that the bride it's rosalind in um oh christ is it the the, the girl in the loop or I, no 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 i'm talking about shakespeare because you, you you wondered oh. if shakespeare ever gets to that ever gets to a female lead um and i want to say it's rosalind oh god is this as you like it or 12th night I think it's Twelfth Night. Um, she's definitely, yeah, she's definitely the heroine in that, but 
I, I want to say that she's a lot of way more evolved than the women you see here, you know, in these early, because like for me, Shakespeare right now is like fairly brother Shakespeare, you know, like he's not going to go Christopher Guest until, you know, later on, you know, like when he's a little more mature. I, I yeah, all I can remember about Twelfth Night is that you're right. <laughs> I can't remember any of the characters, but I just remember like, oh yeah. Um, all I, I just remember that there's good, and I feel like, are there is there two cross dressing women, or am I thinking? I I believe so. Yeah, 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 yeah. there are two. So it breaks the Bechdel. I back. mean, that never goes away, because <laughs> cross dressing apparently was huge. Yeah, how how have we not gotten up like? So that's great. So we only got two acts left. We still have to see um, who was the first girl, Julia. Still have to see Julia with her hog in her pants. Right, right. Can't wait to see that. We have to see. Uh, we have to see Valentine get mugged. Um, I'm hoping. It seems like we should end up with like a a whole switcheroo, and they end up with separate girls at the end. Um, and maybe the boys get stabby with each other when they get jealous that they've uh, they've all fallen in love with each other or something. Um, and but. then everybody freezes in the credits roll. <laughs> <laughs> and Mr. Furley comes out. I Don Knotts a, is the Duke. And <laughs> I did a search for Don Knotts on Giphy the other day, and they are all A+. Plus. <laughs> <laughs> I can, you know, Dana Gould used to have a bit about Don Knotts, uh, how it's impossible for, this was years ago, how it, it would be impossible for Don Knotts to be a crank caller like a pervert crank caller because his voice is so distinct. And I believe the line is something like, I think the line is something like, uh, I've, been, I've been looking at you through the bedroom window. <laughs> uh, Dana Gould. I, th I think he could do Lance too. Like, <laughs> Oh, sure. A hundred percent. That's like the archetype. Just like. That is to say, can she say? <laughs> <laughs> Speed's like, I'm gonna fucking kill you, Don. <laughs> Speed played by Vince Vaughn, ladies and gentlemen. All right, enough of that. <laughs> uh, we have we have all the time the references on this show. <laughs> That's what the kids want to hear. They want to hear Don Nuts, Lenny Bruce yeah, references. That's, <laughs> That's so. This act had two two scenes. The last one had what nineteen scenes. Um, yeah yeah no this was a short one um but there's still like again this this i think is the major like uh, act two was the setup and like this is the like act three is definitely like this is it folks we're getting into the you know as you say proteus's heel turn there's just no need that i can tell for to introduce violence into the plot um like it would all work just fine if um if he was excommunicated but like that's the one thing that's happened to like these love stories over the time is that modern sentiment no longer says like and and uh if you're gonna have a story about love then two guys have to try and murder each other or that's be a risk of murder at some point and it's um i just enjoy the absurdity of that where it's just like it's clearly just the author um, placating the crowd and just like, well, if you if you like this, then like this plus some stabbing will probably be fine. But like, I don't know, just it it continues to when you look at, when you read it as Shakespeare, you're just like, oh well, of course he has to leave under 
under threat of death, but it's just like, what? Well, he looked at Shrew and he's like, how can I up this game? How can I, how can I do it? Ah, straight up death. <laughs> straight up murder. How about that? But we'll all be happy at the end. <laughs> There's something about Shakespeare. <laughs> Stab it. notice Chuck sounded a bit different toward the end. It's because he got sucked into a time loop himself and he was kicking it old school with Don Knotts on the set of Three's Company. That's an AirPod microphone for you. <laughs> Fat and Greasy is presented by the players Chuck and Gabe. Theme music, A Robust Crew, is by Darren Curtis. Next week, Acts 4 and 5 of Two Gentlemen of Verona. And for me, two jello shots in Daytona. <laughs> See you then.